Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you 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 pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Ben Webster. Ben serves as the Deputy Director of Emergency Management for Charleston County Government. And in our conversation, we talk mainly about how important leadership is and also uh, different resources the community can uh, have for disaster moments, uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, a uh, little bit of snow that we get. Um, just knowing our resources, knowing where to contact in case we need help is very important. So, again, we appreciate Ben coming on and giving us all the information we need uh, to be effective in those times. All right, let's get into the interview. Mr. President, how are you? How you doing today, big guy? Pretty good. I didn't bring a basketball. I apologize. <laughs> it's all good. This this is this is called Cupid, actually. This is Cupid. <laughs> Cupid is like, you know, obviously the Valentine Cupid thing just connects people. So I call her Cupid because she kind of connects us families and communities together. I like it. That's what's up. So, uh, yeah, I know everybody's busy, so I won't take up too much of your time. I'll go ahead and and get into it. Um, first of all, I want to say thanks for coming on and be a part of uh, Triple, Triple Threat Podcast. What we try to do here, Ben, is um, educate families and communities on just on everything. First, we started out just, you know, dealing with student athletes and families. And then, you know, the social competency thing popped up and, you know, knowing your rights and, um hurricane and just student athletes and it's just a whole uh wide range of different things we can talk about so um i appreciate you know charles cunning for being a community partner and uh, helping us getting the information out to the community that that needed the most absolutely <clears throat> so um like i said before we start off i want to say um actually a question about social competence right um and and what is social competence to you what do you when you when you hear that what, what does that mean to you you know, social confidence is interesting. In, in the emergency management world, we talk about whole community. Okay, um, everyone's everyone matters. Everyone's decisions matter, uh, and even the consequences of those decisions. And what we have to realize, especially when we talk the natural disaster side, as well, uh, is natural disasters don't look at any sort of spreading sort of difference. They all affect us the same way, and we have to all make decisions from it. Uh, and that's one of our big missions is from an education point of view on how to deal with that. Exactly. So I'll give you the, I, I always tell my audience, I mean, my, uh, my um, guests about social competence and the definition. Social competence consists of social, emotional, cognitive, and behavioral skills needed for successful social adaptation. Social competence also reflects having the ability to take another's perspective concerning a situation learn from the past experiences, and apply that learning 
to the changes in social interactions. So before we get into everything, go through your bio, and now you're currently in this position. I want to take a couple of steps back because, you know, what we are now is what made us, you know, from our past experiences and whatnot growing up. So um, I saw something that you were in the Boy Scouts a little mm-hmm. And uh, I spend a little time in the Boy Scouts. Let me see if I remember the um thing. Um, I, Jamel, president, prompts to do my best, do my duty, to God my country, to protect other people and, belated, and obey the law of the pack. Law of the pack, Cub Scout, follow, Akil, Akil. Am, am I right? Help me I out. think you might be. Yeah. You know, we, we've both been out of it for a little bit, but I think, <laughs> I think you're on the right track, man. There you go. There you go. But anyway, tell us about that experience and how that kind of, you know, kind of shape your kind of your start of everything of, 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 um, of your whole leadership role. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody's got their morals and their values and those are a little bit different for everybody. And we hope that those are good, obviously. Um, and whether it be a student athlete on a team and has, has that team motto and that sense of community or somebody in a boy scout troop or whatever it be, you want to surround yourself by people to make you better. Um, and for me, that was growing up, I'm not good at sports. Um, I'm not even I'm not, not even mediocre at sports. Uh, I dabble a little bit, if you will. Right. But, you know, Scouts was a place I found that community. I found those positive role models from adults, but then also positive role models from my peers that are around me. So, you know, it tells me I want to go do something good. I want to be a good person. Um, I want to do something where I can serve my community. And that just and I think we'll probably hit it throughout the podcast, but Throughout the rest of my career, those morals and those values and that sense of service um, and honor and integrity stuck with me the entire time. Uh, and it's been incredibly beneficial. And it's something I try and uh, in my workings with individuals just put on them that ha- build yourself up, build yourself better. Nice. And um, the second part is that the Blackbird Rescue Squad. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about that and, and that and that experience and how also that helped your leadership in in, in shaping you? Um, hands down, probably one of the best decisions I ever made. And, um, you know, scouting was great. Getting my Eagle Scout was great. Did some other really cool things with scouting. But I had, I was here with scouts. I was up, I was high up, um, had a lot of really good experiences. And I said, you know what, I want to do something else. So I joined Blacksburg Rescue Squad. That's Blacksburg, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, and became an EMT, uh, emergency medical technician. Uh, volunteering and then eventually going paid somewhere else and that service to be able to give back to my community and you're you were quite literally walking into people's homes on some of the worst days of their life uh, and to be able to give that just small amount of service and a much larger system learn leadership there uh, I had the opportunity to move up with Blacksburg as a field supervisor so I command and control over major incidents in Montgomery County and the town of Blacksburg uh, and then also I was the captain of the water rescue team. So being able to regionally deploy as a diver and a swift water technician and lead my team through successful missions, uh, again, just stayed with me throughout that entire time and uh, throughout my life. Nice. <clears throat> and you, you, you mentioned about student athletes, you know, and sticking to um, college athletes, everybody pick, you know, college or university based on the affiliation or based on, you know, they know somebody at the college or whatnot, and uh, you attended Radford University. So I just want to know, you know, what were some other decisions that you had on the table, and um, why why was that you that you picked Radford? 
You know, Radford, uh, Radford was home. So I, I went for criminal justice, which, uh, Virginia Tech didn't really offer that or anything similar to that at the time. I knew that I wanted to continue with Blacksburg Rescue. Uh, I was having a great time there, learning a lot. I didn't want to move away. Uh, looked at a handful of colleges, was accepted to a handful in North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, but, you know, ultimately it was, I wasn't done, uh, with serving that community yet. And I recognized that. Right. Uh, so I, I stayed local. Nice. And this time our segment, we got Jay Christmas. No matter what it was, I was trying to let him know he was doing a good job. And then once he got comfortable and I saw him grow, I was monitoring what I was doing. And so I started then implementing mm. a little bit of negative reinforcement. Mm. This mm. is, you know, and then, and then, Again, trial and error, but it was working. For sure, for sure. It was, uh, it, it was working, so um, I was happy with the results. And so right. I always, and then I always made sure he played with older kids. For sure. Um, I cool. wanted him, I did not want him being the best kid on the field. Now let's get back to the interview. Transition into uh, CPD. Um, mm-hmm. how, how was that transition? Was that, was that something that you, well, I guess you studied, you know, that in, in school, but was, was that your career you were looking to get into or that's something that fall into your, to your lap? A uh, little bit of both. So when I was with Blacksburg and you've got to think with the emergency medical services and with fire departments and all of that, you were very much a response mechanism. Right. Someone calls 911 after something bad's happened and you go to it. There's, there's not really that much proactive work right. that's done there. Um, and I, I saw the sadness. I saw the heartbreak. Um, I saw all the bad things and I said, you know what? I want to be able to move a little bit more on the front side of that. Uh, so I want to be a police officer. So, you know, you, you asked about colleges and it, it was the same thing with departments. I had some opportunities in Virginia. Uh, had some opportunities on the coast of North Carolina and then down here in Charleston. And at that point in my life, I kind of told myself, you know what, I've done a lot of service here in this community. Um, it's as, while it can sound somewhat selfish, but it's time for me to serve myself a little bit more. So let's branch out and let's figure out what else there is. Uh, and ultimately that thought led me to Charleston. Uh, bigger area, more going on. I uh, was offered a position with the, the Charleston Police Department and I came down here. Nice. And so we talk Boy Scouts, we talk Blackbird. Um, what are some things you learned from those two organizations or those two experiences that allow you to be effective as a as a uh, as a police officer? Uh, so dealing with people, working with people, speaking with people uh, and you, you kind of hit it already. Everyone comes from a different track. Right. Yeah. And everyone's got different things going on in their community. And while I might not be able to always understand that. I have to be able to empathize with that Uh, and I have to be able to look at it from a different point of view and seeing that, you know, like I said, from scouting through college, through Blacksburg rescue and dealing with so many different people. uh, I'm not going to say I fit right in at CPD by any means. You're always learning, Uh, but it, it was a lot easier. Uh, It was a lot easier to understand people and to work with people. Nice. And um, so tell us about your, your current position right now. And, um, in, in, in kind of a job description and what kind of you do for the community in your current position right now? 
Uh, I'm the Deputy Director of Emergency Management for Charleston County Government. Uh, and what that kind of mouthful of words means is you've got to think your normal day-to-day -day activities that happen in Charleston County, uh, car wrecks, uh, people need to fire, the fire department, law enforcement, that's handled very locally. It's handled by individual units or groups of units. Uh, but Charleston County, as we know, is susceptible to a wide variety of disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, even snow. Uh, and then we also have man-made disasters and acts of violence. So that would very, very quickly suck up any resources that we have available to us. And that's where emergency management comes in, is that command and coordination level of how do we start getting things from other places? How do we make sure that everybody's talking to each other? And how do we make sure that we respond to the community? And then I'll back up one more thing, and then I'll end this question. But also, how do we prepare our community, right? We know we're in South Carolina. We know that we have hurricanes. We know that we're susceptible to these things. So what can we do to make sure that when something happens, not if, when something happens, that we're in a better position as a community? And, and you hit it right on, Ben. And, you know, speaking to Peggy and just learning a lot more about public safety and even talking to um, <clears throat> my good friend Eric Watson, like my the extension of my knowledge of public safety is EMS, police, and uh, you know that's pretty much it. So that's why when I started talking and learning about public safety, I was like, man, it's so much resources and so much departments out there that as a community, no matter how much how educated you are, you just don't know about them. So right. you know that's why you know having these conversations and find out more about what you actually do is, is very beneficial to not only me, but the community as well. You know, we, we kind of joke where the ghosts of public safety were there, but you don't really know we're there uh, because a lot of what we do is in the background uh, right. to make sure that the people that have to go out and do the job, and that's not just cops, firefighters, EMTs, but that's also to make sure we can get transportation, that we can do feeding, sheltering. There's a wide variety of partners with us, both government and not, that we work with. Exactly. That's awesome. And um, going into our, our our topic is that August is currently hurricane season, correct? Mm -hmm. um, what's the what is the message to the community um, about safety and resources that you want to deliver? And and I just say hurricane because that's something that I picked out, but there's also snow and all that. But right now, it's focused on hurricane. And what are some some safety and resources that you want to like uh, tell the tell the audience about? Well, you know, luckily we can have a conversation on hurricanes and hurricane preparedness, and that's going to translate into just about, with a little bit of common sense, it's going to translate into any other disaster that we're going to talk about. Right. So with getting prepared for hurricanes, uh, you know, the first thing we have to realize is we live in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to visit, but it's a place that is susceptible to hurricanes. Um, and we have to know it, it's not an if, but a when. So one of the first things we have to do is have conversations with our friends and with our families. If there's an evacuation order for Charleston County, where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? What What's that picture going to look like? Uh, and then the next thing we want to do is either go to uh, hurricane.sc or pick up the South Carolina Hurricane Guide and read a little bit about what, what evacuation zone do you live in? What would be your evacuation route? And then the best part is on the back page of that pamphlet, if someone picks it up, what needs to be in your emergency kit? You know, some things like water, snacks, dog food, if you have a dog, uh, and get prepared early because, Mr. President, I think you've probably been here for a couple hurricanes. I know I, I have, but in the days right before a hurricane, Walmart, Food Lion, Harris Teeter, those are not the places you want to be. 
Right. Uh, so right. you can stock up on that stuff early and get ready early. No. And, and, and Ben, I want you to answer a question for me. So you said it earlier. I mean, it's like, we, you know, we live in Charleston, South Carolina, which New York, you know, up, upstate don't really get this type of hurricane. They get more to different type of uh, disasters. So can you educate me and some of the audience who doesn't know of why is it that? Is it because of the weather? Is it because of the condensation? What is it that causes the hurricanes in the lower part of, of the East Coast area? Yeah, so, you know, hurricanes are built off of uh, wind and warm, nice warm water. And that's how you get the, that vertical motion and then that spiral motion that you see in a hurricane. The difference between a hurricane and a, just a bad storm, you've got that spiral motion. And that can come off of Africa and that can come all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. You've got to think just how much time that has to build. Or it can generate, uh, we had one, I believe it was Tropical Storm Bertha two years ago, generate right off the coast of Georgetown. Um, now, it didn't have enough time to get all of that. That's why it was a tropical storm. Or it can come out of the Gulf of Mexico. Or it, it can really come any direction from that southern quarter. And we're, we're in that path of where it can go. Uh, states up to the north are typically a little bit luckier with hurricanes. Not always, but typically, because by the time they get up there, they lose traction. They've hit land. They're hitting colder water, uh, and they don't have that energy that they have when they hit us. So the cold water kind of stops that energy a little bit. It, it definitely doesn't help them develop. They uh, they love warm water. So that's And that's why you'll start to see our more frequently we'll have hurricanes near the end of hurricane season because that's all summer to heat up. Yeah, I was here. I was here. Um... I was Hugo. I was in eighth grade when Hugo was here and mm -hmm. um, living downtown. And man, it was we lived in a two story. But, you know, the water was at the first step like it was in the car. It was it, it was horrible. It was one of the, you know, one of the experiences I never I never forget. But back then we didn't no cell phones, no texting. None of those was available. But fast forward into now, what are some apps and, and resources that. You know, if people are in need of danger or trap, what, what are, how can they contact or what, what are some updated things um, that you guys have, um, you know, evolved for the community to to uh, to know about? Absolutely. Uh, so one of the first ones is going to be the South Carolina Emergency Management app. And if you just go to the app store in Google or uh, iPhone, and this will go for any of them, I say uh, SC Emergency Manager. And that's going to tell you things about what's what needs to be in that kit. Uh, what zone are you in? Some of the things we've mentioned already. Uh, also, Charleston County, if you just look up the CCEMD, Charleston County Emergency Management Department, we have an app as well, uh, which will give you very similar information, but a little bit more localized to Charleston County. Also recommend people follow Facebook sites of official government and news sources. Pay attention to your local news sources, the Weather Channel, the National Hurricane uh, Center. Get good information from all of those reputable sources. And you mentioned, so what should someone do if they need help? Uh, we want to back up a little bit with that statement, right? Because if there's an evacuation order, we want people to do what's best for their families, and that's going to be to get out of that evacuation zone if they're in one. Uh, at a certain point, it becomes unsafe for first responders to go out. So while you may call 911, there could be a delayed response getting somebody out there because we have to protect them as well. this time our message we got coach Earl B then I believe that I had a chance to go to college somewhere 
And I was fortunate that uh, the coach from Savannah State spoke at our athletic banquet. And and he told me that uh, he would give me the opportunity to walk on. And I made it simply because I was an athlete. Right. And again, that came up from the playground. I can play football, I can play basketball, a uh, little bit of baseball, but then in football, I could throw, I, I could kick, I could catch. Right. Uh, and then I had a little mean streak in me. Right. And, um, and that's the only reason I made the team at Savannah State College in football. Now let's get back to the interview. Well, the, the thing is, Ben, and that can be so tricky, right? Because <clears throat> here, like when we first, I think it was Hugo, but I don't know, but one before that, my grandma, when she was alive, she did not want to leave the house. Like mm-hmm. she, we I had to pull her in the car and we had to, we, we drove, drove the Rock Hill. But even with that being said, sometimes, you know, the, the, the TV kind of hypes it up so much, so much, and then nothing happens, right? What mm-hmm. do we say to those families that, got that in their head, like, you know, I'm not going to go because nothing happens. You know, it's always a, a big hurrah and nothing happens. What would you, what would you say to families that, that, that thinks, think like that? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. Absolutely. And it's a great question. Uh, and when we talk about being able to empathize, we have to understand that individuals could have lived in their homes their entire life. There's memories there. There's reasons, maybe there's financial reasons they want to stay. Uh, and th- that is, that is real and alive. Uh, it is also real and alive that do we say, yep, we've got a hurricane coming. It's going to be a big deal and it misses us or it goes north, it goes south and it doesn't hit us and we see minimal effects. Absolutely. But that's still a good day because we'd rather individuals err on the side of caution mm-hmm. uh, than say, you know what, it's going to be OK. And if we can talk about the statement I'll make in a second, but it's only this, it's only a one, it's only a two. We'd rather them avoid that and do what's best for their family and get out of the area to be safe. Yeah. And um, you talk about grabbing things like the Harris Teeth and the Walmarts are, are always closed. But mm. when we just the knowledge of how to prepare is always water, batteries, um, you know, extra food. What are some things that you think families don't think about that they should consider? I think one of the first things that people don't think about, uh, not because they don't love them by any means, but it's their pets. So in addition for food and water for you, have food and water for them, have their vaccination records. Uh, in addition to that, a small amount of cash, enough to fill up a gas tank, just in case card readers don't work for some reason as a backup. Uh, and then anything, there's other small items that you may need to bring, uh, battery-operated radio, so that you can, if for some reason your cell phone didn't work, uh, you could still get accurate information quickly. Uh, cell phone chargers. Uh, there's there's a variety of things. And I'll every time I direct people right back to that hurricane.sc or the uh, South Carolina Hurricane Guide, it's got a phenomenal list that uh, everyone should take a look at. And Ben, <laughs> once once or twice I try to be a little slick, right, and end up going to not a shelter, but we went to a hotel one time, right? And I think we were safe because they got a generator. It was, it was, it was cool. But, um, what are the, the, cause I know what are the rules? What are the, the law? Cause I, hotels can, uh, I think, uh, I forgot what the law is when it comes to a certain, when, when the category 
raises up do they not let people in or or shelters how how's that how's that work and is it safe to consider something like that you know hotels are going to be in a, a similar thing that I already mentioned they they want to protect their employees as well as well and they're going to get to a point where they evaluate the risks and they say it's not worth it for us to be open uh the problem is we in general don't always know what that threshold is going to be the other issue we run into with hotels um and not saying they're bad at all but if Florida or Georgia has to evacuate and they head north, mm. could they potentially be in the hotels that South Carolinians would go to? Mm. It's again, it's one of those conversations you want to be able to have. Of where else could we go? What else could we do? Um, and then to kind of go back to it ultimately is you do want to make sure that you get out of that area. If zone A in Mount Pleasant is under an evacuation order, just because that hotel is still open doesn't mean that's a place you want to be. Right. And here's a personal question I want to ask, and you probably won't have to know the answer to it, but if let's say, uh, do you think it's an issue if uh, it would be an issue? Let's say, you know, just a scenario, um, we want to evacuate, but I'm employed by a government agency that doesn't close this, right? And I want mm-hmm. to take my family out. Like, that's a, that's a pressing situation for me as a as a, as a, as a leader of my family, um, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you think if that happens, what should that person do in that situation? Cause that, that happened, to, you know, a couple of years ago where, um, my aunt was in that situation and she couldn't get out because she had to go to, go to work. So, I mean, it, it was okay. The family, the house got a little messed up, but it was fine, but she ended up getting, uh, terminated because she mm-hmm. didn't come to work, you know? Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, with that, it's one, we want to we want to back up and we want to talk about those plans with our families first. Uh, so if multi-individual family and one person has to go to work can the other person evacuate with everyone else. OK, but then we also want to have those conversations with our employer of well, what does this look like? If yeah. South Carolina gets a hurricane, what is your expectation for me? Uh, and where where could I safely go? Because there are many people that maybe they work inland uh, to some degree and they live very much on the coast. And that's one of those conversations of what else could I do? What are my options uh, if I couldn't go home and where could I be safe? And um, speaking of hurricane, what are some other natural disasters that kind Charleston will probably besides flooding, hurricanes, probably wouldn't get snow too much. Um, what are some other ones that you would think that people need to be aware of that we don't think about every day? Right. Uh, so we've hit most of the big ones. We've got the hurricanes, we've got the tornadoes, and we know that tornadoes can spawn off of hurricanes. Uh, as you know, we get a little bit of snow and it freaks us out, but that's okay. Uh, as well as ice. Uh, but earthquakes are another issue that a lot of people don't think about with Charleston being a, a coastal town, uh, in coastal county, but we live on a fault line. We had an earthquake just three miles from the building that we work in uh, two weeks ago, a small, low-grade earthquake. We've, we had a very large earthquake, um, late 1800s, uh, in Charleston that did quite a bit of devastation. So that's absolutely something that's on the table. Uh, you've mentioned flooding already. Tsunami is definitely a concern as well. Uh, and then we also have man-made disasters. So any act of terror, any act of violence, uh, something that we, we need to be concerned of and be aware of and be prepared for.
In this time my message, we got Travis Smith. When I got the Mercer, it was uh there were we were five there were five hundred just on that line the last three years. And so the coach made this pitch to me. You know how recruiting is like, hey, see you can do this, this, and this, and feeling like this. And so we had two seven footers. We had a point guard that was pretty solid. Really, really solid. I shouldn't say pretty solid. He was really solid. Um, I was a combo and we just had size. For for a mid-major school, we had a lot of size. And so I filled into a role where I could just be up and and I could play my game smoothly. I could hook guys up when I needed four points when I needed to. So in both of those years, my first year, I probably averaged like nine points right at 10. Then my second year, I was the team leading scorer. And we took down some big time teams, went to the NIT. Now let's get back to the interview. How was that experience in in, in Columbia? Because you were the um, the the public information officer for FEMA during the the COVID time. Um, give us tell us about that experiences. I mean that experience and and um and and what are some things you want to you know shine in about that? Yeah. Uh, so actually, with with the state, I was the regional emergency manager. Uh, so I had eight counties, Charleston being one of them, and then uh, Williamsburg, Clarendon, Sumter, Georgetown, a uh, handful of other ones as well. Uh, I'm certified as one of as a FEMA PIO. I don't work. I haven't worked for FEMA. Uh, but you know, COVID COVID was different for everybody, and it was different for everybody in our country because it was something we really hadn't had to deal with in a large scale. Uh, and that goes for the emergency management community as well. Uh, we stood up, so we had the COVID response, which included a variety of vaccination efforts, testing efforts uh, across the state, and also a logistical effort because we had so much personal protection equipment that we had to get out to hospitals and places such as that. But then we did a mass vaccination site in partnership with Richland County, FEMA, the state, uh, at the Columbia Place Mall. Uh, and I was part of the unified command for that, as well as South Carolina DHEC, FEMA, and a variety of other partners, uh, such as the National Guard. And it was a it was a massive operation. And you know, leadership really takes a thing there because you've got to understand you've got so many people coming in from so many different places, doing so much extra work to really push this effort and to get anyone who wants to be vaccinated vaccinated. Uh, and it, it goes back to being able to talk to people and work with people and work for whatever the best situation is. For sure. And in your in your bio and in our conversation, you we, we you say that L word a lot, which is leadership, which is so important. It's very important. And uh, you also you guys also got some career opportunities that's available to the community. Um what what are some competencies you may say that the community that would need that would look to apply for a job or kind of work in your in your space over at uh public safety? So, you know, emergency management specifically is a little bit different when it comes to open positions. So Department of Public Safety as a whole, uh, we need good people that are honest, um, that have integrity, that want to serve their community. Uh, working in government is great, but you've got to have that purpose of why are we here? What do we want to do? And we've got to realize on day one that it's a picture much, much larger than ourselves. For sure. Uh, we need good people like that that want to come in. We need people that want to make careers, that want to make uh, they want to move up. Uh, and just again, I go back to just good people that uh, want to do a good job. Uh, in closing, Ben, we, we created something called the oatmeal recipe. 
which is three ingredients. <clears throat> it's uh, skill training, nutrition, and education. And I feel like in, in any career, anything that you do, those three ingredients is definitely needed. Um, when we talk about education, you know, in the sport, just far as like, um, you, this is kind of maybe foreign to you, but shooting a one-on-one is seven, 17 fouls. And then shooting, you know, two foul shots is 10 team fouls. So those things are very crucial when you're playing the game, understanding those rules. Education for you, how, what's, how is that relatable when it comes to knowing the material and the context, content of public safety? How, how is education important to you? Well, you know, the formal education side of it, I'll talk about first, and I want to loop right back to that. Uh, the formal education is obviously very important, depending on where you are and what level is required and what specialty and discipline and all of that. Uh, but more than anything, and this is where we, we can talk about scouts, uh, student athletes, we can talk about rescue, we can talk about all of those organized groups, and you've got to soak in everything you can get, those people skills, how to take care of yourself, how to take care of others, how to communicate well. Uh, and just, again, I go back to, and I'll keep hitting on it, but just how to be a good person, uh, how to deal with conflict, how to ask questions and educate yourself on things you don't know. Uh, and that's why anybody, especially very young, get involved in scouts, being an athlete, any, any organized group they can get in, because uh, those skills are invaluable and will put people miles ahead of their peers that haven't done that. And my second one you just mentioned is, is skill, skill development. And uh, again, that goes with, with any career. As an athlete, you have to work on your skill in order to perform. Um, how important is skill development for you, and how do you apply that to your career and your position, which you do? Uh, 100%. You never want to settle. Just like a student athlete, they can be really, really good at their craft and really good at their task. But as soon as they say, I'm the best out there, they're probably done, right? Uh and just just like that in the professional world as well, the emergency management and public safety world, we don't have a cap. Uh, you want to continue to look at what can I do to make myself better? And even more than that, what can I do to make my team better? And evaluate that every time. And as soon as you say, I'm the number one, I'm the best, I go back to, you're done. Yes, that's totally right. <laughs> and lastly, Ben, is nutrition. Um, from an athlete standpoint, you know, being nourished, having that fuel, you know, power is is important. Um, and, and working, you thinking hard every day, running around, doing things. Nutrition has got to be important as well. Talk about uh, how important nutrition is nutrition is to you, and how do you apply it to your your uh, your everyday life? Absolutely. Uh, not only nutrition, but just general overall wellness. Yeah. So when you're an athlete, you have that physical stress, right? It's been a long day. I'm playing a game. It's a tough game. It's a tough opponent. Um, and while it may not necessarily be 100% the same here, there's a lot that goes on. There's stressful days at work, uh, not only when we have hurricanes, but just regular days. And you've got to make sure that you take care of yourself. Exercise, uh, mind and body. Eat food that's good for you. Uh, and just take care of yourself. Because if you can't take care of yourself, uh no matter how great everything else is, you're not going to be able to take care of your team. You're not going to be able to take care of that job. You have to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ben, thank you so much, big guy. And again, we appreciate you guys being a community partner with the foundation and helping us, you know, getting the word out to the community just about competencies and 
all walks of life. So thanks again for that. Absolutely, Mr. President. Thank you much. And we'll uh, we'll see you soon. See you Sunday. Yes, sir. All right. Have a good one. You. Peace. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. I want to thank Ben for coming on and giving us his wealth of knowledge on uh, what to do in disaster moments, particularly hurricanes, snows, earthquake, what have you. We also want to thank uh, Charleston Cunning Public Safety uh, for being a community partner and uh, giving us the information to give to the public to better serve them. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. We'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs, looking out for the best interest of a youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month